0: Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay.
1: Today we examine the environment and deep dive into documentaries.
0: We also go back to the 80s for Red Oaks and discover a new solution to blindness.
1: It's time for a top three turf war.
0: An Inconvenient Sequel comes out on Friday, so it got us thinking about the documentaries that we love. And we thought we'd try our hand at a top three turf war exploring our absolute favorites.
1: This was hard.
0: Okay, one, I gotta start watching more documentaries.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, there are so many that I want to watch. I mean, I even feel like there's so many that I did watch. It's just, they can, because they can tackle any subject. And there's so many different sub-genres of even documentaries. This is a big list to go through.
0: I know. I know. But we had to narrow it, whittle it, just make it three. So, Ivana, what is your number three on your list? I wonder if we have any crossover at all.
1: We may not because... With documentaries, there's just so many possibilities. All right. Uh, number three on my list is Super Size Me.
0: Super Size Me did not make my list. But ah. why is it on yours?
1: Um, It was a pretty big game changer in the world of documentaries from what I know. Uh, I will not pretend to be a documentary buff. There are a lot of documentaries that I saw in researching this that I was like, oh, I got to watch that. Oh, I got to watch that. Oh, I got to watch that. Um... But as far as I know, and I think as far as popular culture knows, Supersize Me really brought a new type of documentary to the forefront the self experimentation documentary with a little bit more cleverness to it. Um, and there's been a lot. In fact, I have a bunch of honorable mentions that didn't make my list because, in a lot of ways, they were influenced by Supersize Me and therefore. Super Size Me's got to win.
0: That's a good point. Super Size Me was a big documentary. It was a big boost to the documentary community because people were like, oh, I could do things like that. I could totally do a, an experiment for a certain amount of days. And, you know, he just ate at McDonald's for 30 days. I could do that, you know.
1: And and it's it was so entertaining. I mean, it was a blockbuster of a documentary.
0: So my number three is... Deliver Us From Evil.
1: Oh, I've never seen that one.
0: So, Deliver Us From Evil is about a priest uh, back in, I guess, the 80s who was bad and molested children. And the uh, Vatican did nothing, they just moved him around a lot. And it's about three of his victims who are trying to confront him. It's a staggering documentary. It's shocking, it's sad. Um, it's eye opening and basically what spotlight did in the world of like motion pictures for this cause deliver us from evil for me, did this about 10 years earlier.
1: Yeah. When did it
0: come out? Uh, let's see.
1: 2006. Wow. Okay. So like 11 years ago.
0: Yes. Oh, which would have been exactly 10 years before Spotlight.
1: Yeah, that's very true.
0: Spooky the way my brain works. (laughs) All right. So what's your number two?
1: All right. My number two is um, a movie that really changed my perspective. I learned a lot watching this movie. And that is shark water uh it was made actually by i believe a torontonian um and it talks a lot about sharks and the world and what is happening to them and how important they are to our day-to-day lives you know the movie and the shark fin soup yeah exactly and more than even the shark fin soup there's an entire it is generally based out of shark fins but there's like entire alternative medicines surrounding the concept of what, if you consume a shark, then you become like the shark. And because the shark is powerful, then you will be powerful. You will be virile. You will not have any problems with getting it up, Um, that kind of stuff. And of course, none of it is true in any way, shape or form scientifically. And yet we are hurting our environment in ways that maybe most people don't understand. And I thought it was just so cool because we demonize sharks a lot. And I, I don't get me wrong, I love Jaws. And sure, they're scary because they can kill you, but that doesn't mean that they don't serve a very valuable purpose in this world and a lot of people don't know a lot about them and i just loved how much i learned watching this movie
0: yeah rob from toronto uh he he went through a lot to make the film he unfortunately he passed away
1: i know recently
0: very recently on a dive he died doing what he loved and he was trying to do a follow-up i know to shark water I hope um, that
1: someone takes it and finishes it for him. That would
0: be great. I, I really did like Shark Water. It's not on my list, but I did really enjoy that film. It was eye-opening, and uh, for a for a guy who absolutely, like, loves sharks, I'm, like, in sharks all the time. Uh, Jaws fans will get that reference. <laughs> good pick. Good pick. What's yours? My number two is Bowling for Columbine. And... This was the very first documentary that I saw in theaters. It was the very first documentary that opened my eyes to gun violence across the world. What Michael Moore was able to do with this film um, after the events of Columbine was staggering to me. You know, he went to Walmart and asked them to remove all the bullets off their shelves, which they ended up doing. Which I thought was like holy crap, like that's that's powerful stuff back then, um, and I just really so you know being in America, you got to go and check that out, see if there's still bullets on those Walmart shelves.
1: Yeah, that's true. I haven't I haven't seen any guns, so you know I've only been here maybe a total of like two and a half weeks now.
0: That's right.
1: But... Uh, I there's I haven't seen any guns. <laughs> I
0: yeah, but I just really like his style in that, and I don't really love any of his other documentaries except for Bowling for Columbine.
1: Okay, I I generally really like it. It is on my honorable mentions list, um, but it didn't make. My top three. It almost did. But I think there are things ultimately... You know what? He did become one of the first blockbusters. I think where he doesn't get me, and maybe it's more with his later movies because Bowling for Columbine was incredible. Um, he's so slanted in his views, and don't get me wrong. Totally. Pro- Listen to that. <laughs> like I'm I'm probably more on his end of things than anyone else's. No,
0: that's, that's exactly it, is that I felt like Bowling for Columbine was... It did justice. It had stats to back it up. I mean, there was a very manipulative scene in there with uh, Charlton Heston that I wasn't super in love with, um, but it was the first documentary for me that I went back to that I would rewatch. Uh, and there's not a lot of documentaries like that, so I had to I had to throw that on the list. But like Fahrenheit 9/11 and Sicko, like I didn't really get behind them the way I did this film.
1: Sicko, I didn't, probably it's my my least favorite of his that I've seen. Fahrenheit nine eleven. 11 it's hard when you agree with the viewpoint that you're watching. Um, but I, I can see how the problem is, is that he's not opening anybody's eyes, in my opinion. Um, there's nothing in those movies to teach people who are right wing a different way because he's a little bit too abrasive. And ultimately very much so. That's why I didn't really get it. Is I didn't he's he's preaching to the choir, his movies are made for people who agree with him. Um and I don't know what that's serving per se.
0: And I don't know if Bowling for Columbine was that movie though. I mean, I no, totally agree right. with you on Bowling, Fahrenheit nine eleven.
1: And that's the thing. Maybe it's just been a while since I've seen Bowling for Columbine, and because and he was a lot more sensitive about the topic because it is a sensitive topic it's about children killing children you yes. can't you can't get too political about that human element
0: and, and um, most of the time he would just show you what happened yeah you know, exactly. A four-year-old sh- or a six-year-old shot another six-year-old this is the story of what happened
1: i i now kind of really want to re-watch it after talking about it re-watch um, it and
0: let me know if if It changes your mind. I don't know. Like there are biased moments and there are manipulative moments. But for the most part, I think it's just uh, like I'm pretty sure this is the one he won the Oscar for. I don't know. He might have won for Fahrenheit 9 or 11 because they may have passed him up on this and gave it to him the following year. I can't recall. But I will look that up. What's your number one? My number
1: one is Dear Zachary, a letter to a son about his father.
0: My number one is Dear Zachary, a letter for... (laughs) <laughs> Same exact thing. my Yes. Number one with a bullet. A hundred percent. It was always going to be Dear Zachary. Uh, why, I, why do you pick it?
1: It's just the most moving thing that I have ever watched. I immediately wrote a letter to the government after that movie.
0: Like I was so angry at the end. I didn't write a letter. I should have wrote a letter. But like.
1: I think that's what they said. I think they said at the end of it, write a letter. I was crying Um, Blake and Nikki who were watching it with me, they were crying. We were all bawling. We spent maybe like an hour talking about it. This is a movie that... If I could recommend, don't watch alone because you'll want to talk about it at the end of it.
0: So if you haven't seen Dear Zachary, here's a quick synopsis. There is a man who is gunned down by this woman that he's seeing and she flees to Canada. And in Canada, she is she's charged, but she gets off on bail while waiting for the trial. She's also pregnant with his child. So Andrew, who is the victim, his Parents are trying to gain custody of this unborn child and also trying to convict their son's killer in Canada while she walks free on bail. She can go do whatever she wants.
1: And, and even after the child is born, that was one of those heartbreaking things the way that
0: oh, they had visitations to, had to be with her.
1: Yeah. And and so like imagine you're the grandparents, you want to see your grandchild And you also have to see the killer of your child.
0: It's a shocking story. I don't want to get into too much more than that. The whole thing is done by uh, Andrew's friend, his childhood friend who became a filmmaker. And he, you know, he puts it together with home videos and interviews with their friends. And like, it's very, very loving. Um, There is a moment in the film where, Andrew's father is so angry. He just like, he kind of just wants to kill this woman. And it's the, it's one of the scariest moments in the film. It resonated with me. You said, watch it with friends. I watched it alone at like two in the morning. And I
1: also watched it really late at night.
0: (laughs) To me, it like that scene stayed with me because he was just like, I just want to fucking kill a fucking killer. And uh, but I have to think of my wife and I've got to think about like what will happen when I'm in jail. And like he was so adamant that like, yes, this woman needs to die. It was shocking. Like it really did shock me. That
1: scene is not the, what res, like stays with me about that movie. I love that about movies, how different scenes will get different people. I I wasn't surprised or shocked by it. I think if you're the parent of someone who's murdered, that's the emotions that you go through. And I think if you're the parent of someone who was murdered and you have to be nice and cordial to the killer of your child so that you can see your grandchild. Unexactual. Of course you're going to be that angry. How How much... But it also showed how great of a man he is because he puts it all in check, right? He's like so angry and of course he wants to f- kill her. I think that's part of it right a lot of people have that vengeance when you've been wrong you want to then get justice but he knew that intellectual side of him that the world is about more than justice
0: it's a fascinating film and it definitely deserves to be at number one so we easily have our number one nail easily
1: down. easily <laughs> your second
0: was Sharkwater.
1: my second was Sharkwater. yeah
0: my second was bowling for columbine
1: I say Um, that that's our top three, maybe.
0: Okay, I'm good with that. So Sharkwater at uh, number number two and then Bowling for Columbine at three?
1: I think because of the Oscar, because of the notoriety, and because of, again, the love that was shown in Bowling for Columbine, maybe that deserves the number two spot and Sharkwater number three.
0: Well, hey, I'm, a, I'm all good with that because Bowling for Columbine is mine. So I'm, I'm totally fine with that.
1: All right. Let's count it down.
0: Number three, Sharkwater.
1: Number two, Bowling for Columbine.
0: And the number one best documentary on this list, Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Son About His Father. Okay. Well, okay so what honorable so- mentions? <laughs>
1: Okay, I'm very excited about my honorable mentions. There's so many good documentaries. Uh, I'm just gonna like list off a couple quickly. Uh, that sugar film. I
0: knew the sugar film was gonna be on your list.
1: Yeah, I, I love that documentary. I don't it's maybe because I saw a trailer and waited like a year and a half and then was able to see the uh, Canadian premiere and and meet the filmmaker and everything and also because it's changed my life. From the trailer. Right. I watched the trailer of this movie. It was right around Christmas time, and it was a Friday, and I said, all right, as of Monday, I no longer eat added sugar. Um, And for the most part, that is exactly how I continue to eat to this day. Um, Obviously, it's kind of in everything, so... You know, when you're eating out or that kind of thing, you make guesses. Uh, But you get really good at figuring stuff out. And every few months, I, like, have an amazing dessert. But if it's not made at, like, the top place that makes whatever it is that I'm eating, gelato cake, whatever, um, I'm not interested. I don't want to eat some, like, low-shelf desserts. I eat, like, the creme de la creme, and it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so that sugar film had to be on there. It changed my life. Um, but I, I get why it isn't on a top three for everyone. Um, in addition, Blackfish. I mean, come on. That oh, movie. Blackfish
0: is a great one.
1: Fahrenheit 9-11, which I also thought was a really groundbreaking film. Uh, and Murderball.
0: Murderball oh, was so cool. Oh, I forgot so about cool. Murderball. That was yeah, a cool movie.
1: It was really cool. I never... It was so empowering to quadriplegics, I think. And it really showed you a cool world. So I really loved it. So
0: on my list, I've got Side by Side, which is...
1: I've never uh, heard of it. What is it?
0: It's a film, a a documentary about filming in digital versus filming in on film. And it pits director against director on why they do what. So like Fincher is all about uh, digital while Nolan's all about film. So cool yeah it's a good one and it's all uh, the host is Keanu Reeves so he goes around and talks to everybody Um, there was The Cove on my list with the dolphins terrifying movie amazing movie also The Imposter which kind of combines documentary and film as well
1: is that the Joaquin Phoenix one
0: no The Imposter is about a, a child who goes missing and then comes back like four years later and they don't realize it's like actually a man who is short pretending to be a child to get into the country and to have a place to live and it's like based on true events
1: wow so it's like a docu drama
0: yeah it's like a docu drama that's that's the best way to put it cool um i got raiders the story of the greatest fan film ever made which is basically just some kids making indiana jones uh, raiders of the lost ark i should say Um, and then coming back after years and years to finish the film with the most dangerous part of the film, which is the big explosion of, uh, the Nazi plane, um, in an airfield. And that it's hilarious, but it's also like, wow, this is crazy. Uh, and then there's 20 feet from stardom that made my list as well. So I made it five, uh, 20 Feet from Stardom is about all the backup singers on all of your favorite songs who don't get any credit at all. And they're super talented.
1: That's so cool. Those are really great films.
0: Totally. You got to watch them. I will watch some of yours and we will. uh, Yeah. Documentaries. I got to watch way more documentaries, especially because Netflix has so many. There's the act of killing and the look of silence that um, are supposed to be incredible. And I have not watched either. And I I hit myself with
1: Time to take a break and do some shameless cross promotion.
0: Sure. Jay, tell not?
1: everybody about your new podcast.
0: So we took a break from more of the movies, and in that time, I started a new podcast called Top 12 Movies, and it's all by Malonesome. And it's a podcast that Ivana is not actually allowed to listen to. Otherwise, she will know exactly what my top 10 list is for the end of the year. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, like, I can probably listen to a few more episodes. (laughs) Yeah, you
0: can listen to a few more episodes, but... uh,
1: At some point, I'm going to have to be, like, that person who catches up way after the fact. (laughs) That's right.
0: Top 12 Movies is a show that collects the top 12 movies of the year one episode at a time. So when I see a new movie... I basically do a new episode and talk a little bit about the movie that I saw with no spoilers. There's never any spoilers in the show. Um, so you can like jump in and we'll listen anytime. Uh, and basically I rank it or tell you it did not make it into the top 12. Um, I just did my first mini-sode because I kind of went on a, a bender and watched eight movies. So I had to like Tell people where they got in really quickly because I, I was so behind. <laughs> so it's an ambitious little podcast and I hope uh, people come along for the ride. You can find it anywhere.
1: Am I allowed to listen to this mini-sode? I'm loving this podcast and I just – you have to just tell me when I have to stop.
0: <laughs> you can definitely listen to the mini-sode. There's uh, – I think I do seven movies and three of them make it onto the top 12. Out of okay, those that's seven. Good. But I don't tell anybody which ones – um oh. and until the end of the episode. So you could literally just like skip the part where I actually go through all the mood.
1: Yeah, as if I have that much self-control. and you I have I self control. Actually- I love getting the deep dive into what makes it into your top twelve and what doesn't and why as you're going on in the year and as you're watching new things. I think it's giving me a whole new perspective on you. Um, but I know, I know, I'm gonna have to just stop listening at a certain point. Otherwise, our you know post Oscar wrap up of the previous year in movies. Is going to be totally spoiled.
0: <laughs> it's it's shocking, the movies that actually make it on versus the movies that don't make it on. And some of them are really hard. Like I I watched a movie called Free Fire and I thought it was going to be like one of my top five of the year. And it just wasn't. And I felt really bad uh, because I, I full on bought the movie no thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing. And it was just like, eh, not bad, but not tough. Not top 12 worthy.
1: Meanwhile, like Wonder Woman is in your top 12, which I don't get. I mean, I don't think I've seen enough movies right now, so she's in my top 12 too, but I have a feeling she's going to be in your top 12 all through the
0: year. Uh, She may have already slid down a spot, so... There you go. Ah. This thing's changing all the time.
1: Yes, that's true. Anyway, listen to Jay's podcast. I really love it. And at some point when he cuts me off and says, no more podcasts for me, um, maybe you guys can sneak me some insider information.
0: That's ridiculous. No insider information. Do it.
1: Tell me the insider information.
0: (laughs) It's app time. So Microsoft has released news of a new app that will completely change things for blind people. And now, the best
1: part, it's free.
0: And it's a free app. It's like helping the world all over for free, which I think is amazing. The app is called Seeing AI. We know that AI is like kind of taking over and Google Maps is running the world and like, you know, all these things basically are leading to us getting into cars and letting them drive by themselves. So I guess Microsoft looked into this and said, you know, our phone knows more about our surroundings than sometimes we do. And for blind people, you, I guess, can plug it into your ears, your phone, and it will narrate your surroundings. I think that is so cool. I know. If you're on a street corner, it'll tell you you're on a street corner or that like, Yes, to your left is a Starbucks or whatever. Can you imagine like how useful that would be? And to
1: affect people's lives with a free app. I mean, I know they'd have to be able to have a smartphone, but you know, most people have them nowadays. Um, I think it's really cool, and I think we're finally seeing. You know how like in San Francisco, it's all the rage to be like, I want to change the world with my app. This is going to change the world with this app and uh i think we're in the very beginnings of this ai universe um and it's kind of exciting things are going to change so much over the next few years
0: i think it's just so cool and it's an ongoing research project that will continue as ai gets better to um, open up this visual world through sound for blind and low vision community members And I mean, that sounds strange. It sounds like a club the way I just said it, but, (laughs) um, but people who are of the, you know, low vision community will tell them what's nearby. If there's a sign nearby, it'll read it to them.
1: Ugh, optical character recognition, so
0: key. My biggest question is how has it taken this long?
1: What do you mean? I mean, AI is only now getting to that place where we can really start to put it into everyday things. We
0: had Google glasses and we had um, goggles as an app from Google. Uh, We had Google translate where you could put your phone up to something and it would translate whatever the, I don't know. I guess I just thought like, wow, it's taken a while, but I'm actually on the iTunes site right now. Listen to this five-star review. I am a newly visually impaired person. I love this app. As soon as uh, I learned to use it, it has a lot of amazing features that will help the blind community with amazing visual description is that a sighted person would know which makes this apps incredible for what I can do as a blind person. The only concern for this app is dad and I would love a channel that will describe colors for us in the visually uh, impaired community. I mean, that's kind of amazing. Neat. I'd love it to describe colors. I don't know how you describe to somebody the color red.
1: Bright, hot. I guess you have to use like the feelings that looking at red like invokes Like the temperature in
0: of it, I guess. But mm. how would you know what the temperature looks? I don't know. Yeah. How can a color look hot?
1: But it does.
0: But you can't describe it to somebody who's never seen heat.
1: No, but people feel heat.
0: So you describe it as a feeling. Feeling. Oh man, that's hard. I don't know.
1: You can never describe how it looks, but you can describe other aspects of it, I think. Anyway, I think it's I think it's cool. I think that you feel like how why isn't it here? But the reality is, I think that underneath it all, this is an app that works seamlessly, is simple and will affect people's lives, but probably underneath it, you're talking years of engineering, my guess, anyway. You're
0: probably right. And so if you know somebody in this community who could use this app, it is Seeing AI and it's available now. Let's drop some science. Mmm.
1: I feel like this episode inadvertently became very themed and I, I like it. I feel like we're leaning in and we're going to continue to lean in with our next segment. There is a really cool mini documentary from CNN. Uh, we have the link to it in our show notes. So please check it out when you're done listening to this podcast. It's totally worth it. basically, There are a lot of scientists around the world that are concerned that we are entering into and contributing towards the sixth mass extinction of the planet.
0: Well, what does that mean, sixth extinction?
1: Obviously, one of them is the dinosaurs. Um, And the other ones, I mean, there was the Ice Age, right, with the, like, woolly mammoths and that kind of stuff.
0: That makes the sense. earth
1: has gone through these extinction periods before where certain animals just or species just they no longer exist. Um, and it was for a And they're a lot saying of-
0: something like three quarters of the species on this planet could be extinct in the next few decades. Exactly. Um, that's Crazy.
1: You know, it could lead to even humans being the designers of their own extinction. We don't really know a hundred percent. And the scientists of the world are not saying anything definitively, which I think it's key for us to note. The scientists don't generally say anything definitively until there it's definitively proven.
0: But they're worried. This is a man-made problem. Birds are eating plastic out of the ocean and it's going into their bodies and it's killing them. And that's like insane. So a whole population of birds could die just because of that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have global warming, which we are definitely the cause of it's killing coral reefs. So tribes who are reliant on uh, the water around a coral reef and the animals if those animals die, they will too.
1: Not to mention
0: our islands are also disappearing because as the water level rises,
1: they become smaller. It, You know, there's a lot of change happening in this world right now. And it's, and it's
0: happening fast.
1: I think that's the thing about this documentary that was the most shocking. Um, there was a... I don't know if you remember from the 90s, but I feel like childhood was always all about extinction of animals and... Um, And then at some point there was like news about certain animals like coming back and like thriving again. And then things have been silent. And so it's kind of shocking the level of extinction that's been happening. I mean, we all know about the bees and they do talk about the bees in this documentary as well. It's fascinating. But I didn't realize how many animals were just completely wiping off the earth At at such crazy speeds.
0: We've wiped out 50% of the Earth's wildlife in the last 40 years.
1: Isn't that crazy? 50% of the Earth's wildlife in the last 40 years.
0: So the big question is, do we have time to change this? And that's what this documentary is uh, posing to, to all of us.
1: They end, I feel like, on a pretty cautionary and yet optimistic note. Uh, I think that if you really look at the deep down aspects of things, yes, there is time to change it. But, and here it's a big but, it requires that we change fast. Uh, And I don't know that our world is, is heading in that direction.
0: This is Top Drawer TV. All right, we're going to end with this last segment on a positive note. We watched a pilot, but you should know there are spoilers ahead.
1: There's the show on Amazon Prime called Red Oaks, and it takes place in the 80s where it follows a college boy named David who's working through the summer at a country club.
0: That's right. He's the assistant tennis pro, and it seems like there's a ton of perks being a pro at this particular club.
1: Totally. His boss is scamming on a lot of women, and they get to have meals with members, and they're basically like members themselves.
0: Meanwhile, at the beginning of the episode, David is playing tennis with his old man when his father has a heart attack. And while he thinks he's dying, he blurts out that he's basically married someone he doesn't love, he has a thing for agents, and he's pretty sure mom is a lesbian.
1: But he doesn't die. And these are things that David can't unhear and he starts to see the telltale signs while his father is getting treated at the hospital. This really gets his head spinning and he starts wondering about his life and what he wants to do with it, even though his girlfriend has it all mapped out for them and his dad too.
0: So David keeps working at the club through the episode and we meet his stoner pal Wheeler and watches Nash, the tennis pro, keeps flirting quite successfully with women at the club. It's basically a National Lampoon's party movie at this point.
1: But trouble is brewing for David when he lets a member at the club win a couple of sets of tennis Turns out that was the club president, and he wants David fired because he's not good enough.
0: So David needs to play him again, win all six sets in a row to keep his job. They play, and a mysterious girl's watching him. David wins, and the president tells him, if you play and win, you've earned respect. If you patronize a man, you've earned an enemy. Now go ask her out. David goes to talk to the mystery woman who turns out to be none other than...
1: The club president's daughter. End of episode.
0: (laughs) So, did you like the first episode?
1: Oh my gosh, so much. And as I watched this episode, all I could think about was you. I don't know... I don't
0: understand this. What do you mean?
1: I just feel like this is a show that's made for you. You love these coming-of-age stories. You love film. You love... Like, the nods at the kitsch. Like, you're right. There is aspects of the pilot that are kind of national lampoons-y. Um, but they're just nods. And actually, I've seen the whole first season. <laughs> of
0: course you have. You always go ahead.
1: I always go ahead. Uh, that aspect of it doesn't stick around for that long. But that is an influence in terms of, like, little nods in terms of a genre all throughout the film. Especially with, like... Wheeler and Historian, really, I mean, all throughout, but it's done in a way that's really elevated. And that whole, that one summer thing, some of your favorite movies and the ones that you talk about most are all about coming of age during a summer. And that's what this is. And yet, in a lot of ways, it reminded me of you more because those coming of age in the summer movies are about kids and playing and in a time that didn't have technology. This is about coming of age in the summer, about a guy who wants to like make his life about movies, and so I just can't help but think of you every time I watch an episode.
0: Well, I mean, I have no idea that it was about making movies, so I will have to go on to get to that because the first oh, episode, oh yeah, they the don't first episode, there's
1: that. nothing about it. <laughs>
0: um, I, you know what, I, I enjoyed watching it. It was an easy watch, like it, it breezed by.
1: I know. You can get through the whole season in like a minute.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, it's like really, really fast. They're 30-minute episodes. They're like, they're nothing. Everybody in it is is just having a blast. It feels like summer on the screen. Um, so to that point, I really actually enjoyed it. Um, who was your favorite character in the pilot? In the pilot. In the pilot, young lady.
1: I got to say David he he wins me over he carries this television show and i want him to carry it and i love it i love the the actor like the what he brings to the character of david he's lighthearted and yet still broody but in a way that isn't annoying like um what's his name who's in gotham he broods around screens constantly but i find it like way too broody when David broods, it's a lighthearted, summery brood. And I think that that's a skill I, I haven't really seen around before. Also, Paul Reiser. I mean, he really picked a good show to come back to.
0: He did. I, I mean, he's great in this. Uh I got to go with the tennis pro Nash. Yeah. I feel like he is also hilarious.
1: Nash. He's a Canadian and, actor, I think.
0: Oh, good. And he he looks out for David. He's like... He's kind of letting David explore a little more of what he could do in the world. He's saying, ah, you don't need to go to school. You already have a job. You already have a good job. We could be, like, hanging out in Florida together. Like, you know, he basically has figured out what he wants out of life and he goes for it. And I really dug that. I also really liked Wheeler a lot. Um, I found, like, you know, he... He's definitely the kid that everyone forgot about in school. He's definitely a nerd. He's only just started smoking pot and and giving pot away, I'm sure, because people just kind of don't know him at all in this town, which I feel like if you've been dealing a while, you probably are known as the guy to get weed from.
1: I mean, I I love him because his whole storyline has like these archetypes that have been around since the 80s but he, it's a whole new take. I think that's maybe, this whole show, and you'll see it as you keep going, you gotta keep going, Jay, Um, it really nods to the 80s and the movies made in the 80s, but it serves them up in a way that is new and fresh, and I don't really know quite how they do that, but it's magic, and you're right, Nash is also a top, a top, like, person in the show. I think Really, they've built a strong cast. Everyone is pretty strong in this.
0: Yeah, it's a. It was a really good first impression. It, it felt a little bit like Adventureland in some ways. So uh, I will definitely keep watching, especially now that you've made mention that it's about a guy who wants to go into film.
1: Well, okay, I'll, I'll start with like it's about like a coming of age about a guy who likes making movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah which i didn't realize the making movies part was there but i'm really excited about that part of the part that is to come. And for say.
1: everyone who's listening and who maybe hasn't seen it quite yet, um his current path like where you meet him in episode 1, he's like 20 and it's like his whole life is already mapped out in front of him and he's And it seems thinking, like
0: overwhelming.
1: Yeah, overwhelming and i think the big thing is that nobody's ever asked him if he wants this life.
0: That's true.
1: But that is so a part of human existence. Like, I feel like in order to like work on the career that I want, I, I'm constantly having to like fight against this like path that is set before. And um and so I like in a lot of ways I can I I felt what it feels like to be David. I'm sure lots of people do. And the whole first episode happens and you don't know what you are want. You're right. Like, you don't know anything about the movies because in the whole first episode, you still don't hear from him anything about what he wants. But you sure as heck hear from his dad. Oh, yeah.
0: He's going to be an accountant.
1: He's going to graduate from NYU in accounting and then he's going to join his dad's film and he's dating this girl and she was his high school sweetheart. And don't get me wrong. She's a beautiful, lovely human being. Um But she really wants to have this like suburban life and they're going to have two cars and 2.5 kids and a dog and, you know, all that craziness. And nobody ever asked him, does he want this?
0: It's really interesting because when you're 20 and you want to do whatever you want, I mean, I had amazing parents who just said, sure, fill your boots. But as soon as you get out on your own, you realize the things that you want aren't going to pay the bills and you have to do stuff other things just to stay afloat or just to make ends meet or just to have the kind of life that at 35 you want to have even if you may not be doing exactly what you want like that's why so many people do podcasts and have separate side gigs and things like that because you know they're trying to break into something that ultimately you have to Pay your dues for free for a really long time until anything kind of pays for itself. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's like investing in your future.
0: And you're right. Everybody can relate to that. So I, I'm. What would you rate the show, overall?
1: Ah, uh, like four, five, four and a half out of five, five and a half. Like five out of five. It's 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 at the top.
0: Um I'm gonna give it a solid three and a half out of five so far. I've only seen the one episode and
1: three and a half out of five.
0: I've only seen one episode. You've seen the whole season.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: You know so much more and, than I do. And you're
1: right. The the pilot is the weakest. Like I'll I'll give you that. Like
0: Yeah. I've only seen one episode and like you know. Hey, I liked it more than Silicon Valley.
1: Which I also find is crazy, but maybe it's because (laughs) of my love of tech and love of business that Silicon Valley really hits me.
0: (laughs) I think think it is that because I have zero love for business and my love for tech goes only so far. (laughs) And so next week we're going to do a movie and we're going to do Submarine from 2010. It's actually... Another vehicle by Craig Roberts, Craig Roberts being the star of Red Oaks. So we're going to give that a watch and uh, give it a little chat. And that's our show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next week.
1: If you'd like to help us support the show, we would really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop onto iTunes or whatever podcast service you use and give us a quick rating and review.
0: bensound.com is our intro song source and we encourage you to check out our show notes for information about our music, our talented voice actors and sound effects.
1: Jay and I love hearing from you. So please reach out to us. You can reach us at morethanmovies.net.
0: On Facebook at More the Movies Podcast,
1: Email us hello at morethanmovies.net.
0: Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at JesterJ.
1: I'm at It's Ivana.
0: Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back next Monday. All new episode.
1: Until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more.